The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. No one is, 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 is more locked Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod, hosted by Danny Parkins and Andrew Filippone. As always, thank you for hanging out with First and Pod. We apologize that we're coming to you a day late. Pony took a red eye back from Pittsburgh or from Vegas to Pittsburgh after Sunday night football. I flew in first thing this morning after watching a beating at Arrowhead Stadium that should have been called for cruel and unusual punishment. We will get to those games, but we also have a Monday night doubleheader. Pony, just like last year, feels to me, and we can get to specifics on both teams, but feels to me like the Bengals saved their season in week three. Joe Burrow did not look great, but he was good enough. Uh, Next week, they have the Titans. The week after that, they have the Cardinals. Jamar Chase looked amazing. Pass rush was great. Rams offensive line pathetic. But I fully expect to wake up in two weeks with the Bengals at three and two and right in the thick of this thing. What about you? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if if Burrow doesn't play on Sunday against Tennessee. Let me start there. Because a short week, I think they were trying to avoid getting three games under 500, which is just the Texans did it a few years ago, but nobody comes back from 0-3. And there's already three teams in your division that are two and one. So I think there was that aspect. There was also the payback for the Super Bowl. Like they weren't going to keep Burrow out. But I wouldn't be surprised if they made a decision here in the next few weeks to sit him down for a game. You know, I had a situation going back 10 years ago with Ben Roethlisberger here in Pittsburgh where he had a banged up foot but he forced it late in the season against San Francisco because it was a big Monday night game when the 49ers were really good with Harbaugh. And he played and they lost. And then six days later, they had a game against a bad Rams team and they sat him and they let Charlie Batch play and they won. So I I, I think there's going to be at some point here, maybe it won't be this Sunday, Danny, but I do think Burrow's going to miss games this season. I'm convinced of that. I don't think he'll play all 17. This whole thing where we're going to do a song and dance every week about did he get number one reps in the walkthrough and quarterbacks getting promoted from the practice squad. I just thought tonight was a got to have it game. They gutted it out. It was second half again, first half, no touchdowns. Jamar Chase got going great. Joe Mixon rushing touchdown. Defense was awesome. The defense didn't give up a third down conversion until the absolute end of the game on that Rams touchdown. But Uh, I think they saved their season, but it feels more like a stay of execution for me because of Burrow's calf. Yeah, I I don't know if he can get better while playing. Obviously, Arizona just beat Dallas, but feels like that might be a spot. You know, beat Tennessee, win a game in conference, which could matter for tiebreakers and wildcard, and then try to sit an NFC game or something like that in week five. I could see that. I'll say this, too. You want to talk about a quarterback not going the whole way. I mean, it's the same exact thing as last year with the Rams' offensive line. Were they playing four offensive linemen? Three? What the hell was that? I mean, that guy's going to get killed 
if he plays more games behind an offensive line like that. Like to me, to me, like good job by Cincinnati. Their pass rush was relentless, but they were in there in two seconds or less often, man. Like that that felt like last year's offensive line for the Rams. It did. And I look at McVay as the type of coach that can scheme around it and Stafford can get rid of the ball fast enough to cover up for a leaky offensive line. Pass protection is more about the quarterback than it is about the line itself. But the line is obviously still pretty important. Um, Yeah, I I just, that was a game that the Rams, I think, are going to kick themselves on all year. That was there for them. That that game was ripe for the the taking. And to not win, uh, given the way Stafford had played the first couple of games, Orlovsky makes the comment that Stafford is so good right now that the Rams can win any game they play this year. He said that like within the first few minutes of the game, which I think is was he in, was he in Detroit with Stafford? They got to have some kind of personal relationship, right? And that's got to be yeah, a, yeah. They got they have to. I I I was sound on the Eagles game. I I didn't hear the sound the start of that broadcast. And Fowler annoys me as a football play by play guy. So I was hanging out at with all Buffalo. levels or just when he does NFL games. Uh, I I think he's very good at tennis. Um, I'm not a huge fan of his work on football, to be honest with you. Is it a personal thing or is this just a preference? No, 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 okay. not at all. I, I think great studio guy who went from the studio to the number one play-by-play gig. And yeah. like, I just don't, I don't feel like he's got number one big game play-by-play chops, just personal preference. He's very good at tennis though. Is that is that is that bad? I mean, you you seem. Offended. I just that's an unusual opinion. I haven't heard a lot of hard line no, no, I don't think I don't think he's very good. Play by play. I don't think he's very good. Um, Sean McVay punting on fourth and five, down ten with six minutes to go. He's a conservative in-game coach. We've known this about Sean McVay for years. He comes. I know, but can I get him? Can I get an ounce of pushback? Like Fowler goes, like, and the Rams are forced to punt here. No, no, they're not. No, because Lewis Riddick was reminding us, I think, ten times during the second half that he talked to Andrew Whitworth pregame. He kept shoehorning that in for no apparent reason. But I, I just, okay, great. You you use your timeout, you get the ball back. Now you're down 10, yeah. three and a half minutes. The only reason you score a touchdown is because there was a broken coverage. Okay, congratulations. That could have happened if you would have converted the fourth and five. And it ends up you need an onside kick, which is like let 5% to so, convert. And it's probably, what, 40% to convert fourth and five with Stafford? Just completely idiotic. One of these networks, whether it's ESPN or Fox or CBS, NBC, they need to start doing a win probability thing that they show before every one of these decisions. And that way, at least, you can force your analysts to react to those. Like, here's what a punt does to your win probability. I like, here's yeah, I, I know. I feel like they did that on the Buck Aikman cast last year, and, and they just, like, kept disregarding it. Do you well, but I, think they, but I think they owe it to the – let the viewers at least see it. What the numbers I agree. say. I agree. I agree. And I just like forced to punt. Is there a new rule that I don't know about where you can't go for it on fourth down? It's just infuriating. Uh, what did you think of the other game? Well, I mean, I won money on it. Like I, I told you last week, I liked the Eagles. I just, I don't believe in Tampa. I fundamentally don't believe in them. I just think that they are such a low ceiling team. They can't run the ball. Baker doesn't make explosive plays. They're they have good players, and like like Werfs is a great tackle. Evans still clearly has a ton of game. Levante David is is very good, but not a premium position. Vita Vey is very very good, but he doesn't make a ton of impact plays. Like they they don't have game changers. They they've got like very good players at relatively inconsequential positions. Yeah. And so I just, when I see them go up against the team with studs at premium positions, and I know like hardcore football people would say, Vita Vea absolutely is an impact position. And of course, Tristan Wirfs is an impact position. But like, in terms of points on the board, you know, the takeaways, they just, they just don't have those types of guys. So I loved Philly in this spot and it went about as I expected. 
I think I think it's a little harsh by you on Tampa. I think relative to who they were playing, I agree with you. They're they're clearly not in the same league as the as the Eagles. But then again, the team that the Eagles beat in the divisional round of the playoffs last year wasn't either. The Giants didn't deserve yeah. to be on the same field as them. That's so right. So I I think that the Buccaneers. I, I loved Philly in this game laying the five, five and a half. Wherever you got it, I thought the I thought the line would be fine. I thought you were good. It wasn't It was four and a half for the first three days of the week. Yeah. I thought I thought it was I thought as long as it didn't go past seven, you were gonna be fine in this game. That that wouldn't have made a difference anyways. They they were in control they crushed them. the whole way. Yeah. Um let me start with the Philly angle though. I think what I now I picked them to win the Super Bowl this year. So this is not so much about them. It's more about San Francisco. I just think I try so hard because I know how unpredictable the NFL is that I just never feel right picking the teams that were there last year to get back the next year. Maybe one or two. But when I see predictions that say chiefs Bengals in the AFC championship game, Eagles 49ers, it's just like, not only are you being a coward, but you fundamentally don't get how the NFL changes from year to year. Yeah. Three weeks in, it just feels like we're on a collision course for the Eagles and 49ers again. Like they are just head and shoulders above of the competition in the NFC. And this game and this weekend only further cemented that for me. So that's the Philly take. And and their line is just so their lines are just so good. They lost Hargrave to their to their rival in this situation, San Francisco. And they don't skip a beat because everybody was stupid on Javon Carter. And, and Hargrave now, has been awesome this year too. Yeah, yeah, but they don't miss him because they've got Davis and Har- and and uh, and Carter up front. I know, and and Graham and Cox and all those guys. Carter, like the the highlight of the um, of the forced fumble, will be the thing that everyone talks about. On the safety, he's getting double teamed and manhandled the two dudes. Like he's not near the ball. He falls into the end zone and takes two linemen with him. Like, if they would have run to his side, he would have gotten a safety, yeah. too. Like, they had three dudes who penetrated into the end zone on that play. Swift had, an- Swift had another huge game. They got him for pennies on the dollar. I'll, I'll restate re- what re- I said. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'll restate what I said on this podcast last week. I don't think Hertz has had a great game yet, and they're still beating teams convincingly. So the Hurts thing, because I'm seeing it in Chicago. Jalen Hurts is being defended to stop his running game. That's what's happening with Fields. On the zone reads, right, they are not going to the running back, they are crack, They are staying on the quarterback and saying, you got to give the ball, you got to give the ball, you got to give the ball. So you got to give it to Swift, or in the Bears case, you got to give it to Herbert. And then they're not seeing as much uh, man-to-man defense. They're seeing more zone. So the defensive backs are watching him. So it's like, keep your eyes on Hurts. Keep your eyes on Fields. And it's, it's being successful. Like, you've not had a ton of big quarterback runs this year. The difference, of course, is, is that Hurts – is good and a good pocket passer and has two awesome receivers and an amazing offensive line and is doing it. But I I think that that's what's happening with Jalen Hurts is that he is being forced to beat you from the pocket and just with his arm and he's doing it. But you wouldn't say that Jalen Hurts is a top five pocket passing quarterback in the NFL. What made him a top five quarterback in the NFL was that he also had 800 rushing yards last year. And that through three games has been largely taken away. He still is obviously very effective on those stupid rugby, you know, push, push, whatever the hell they're calling it, like for the fourth and ones and all that stuff. But like he doesn't have explosive runs. And I think that is why he doesn't look that great so far this year. All right, let's get to the games we were at. I will let you go first because I had a lot of empathy for you on Sunday that you did this very last second, very rushed trip to Arrowhead to go back to Kansas city where you used to live and work to see the chiefs and bears. And we talked on Thursday about how, Hey, this is now 
with all the chaos and everything else that's going on in Chicago, this is now an interesting game because it's put up or shut up time for the Bears. And yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dude, I'm going to run through my 24 hours for you, okay? Please. I'm just going to blitz through it. 6.40 a.m. flight, but at the far airport. So the alarm goes off at 4.30 in the morning. Make the flight, no problem. Get to the rental car, no problem. Go out to a lovely breakfast with my grandfather, who just turned 95, and my mother-in-law. It's lovely. We go pick up the barbecue from my favorite barbecue restaurant, Jack Stack. We get to the tailgate. We meet up with people who I had uh, just like invited us on Twitter. I'm hanging out with old friends. We are shotgunning beers on the hour. We are just drinking our faces off at this tailgate. I'm having a grand old time. We go into the stadium. We're on the side of the stadium where the sun is pelting on you the entire game. I had way too many cocktails, did not urinate for the entire game, very dehydrated. <laughs> it's 41. The, the story of the stadium is that. Uh, that Taylor Swift is there. Chiefs fans are taking pity on me for not drafting Pat Mahomes. Like they're like, oh well, maybe Justin Fields can be good. I'm like, eh, it's it's all over, folks. Leave the stadium so hammered that my wife needs to drive us instead of me, and I have let her drive less than ten times in our relationship because she is not a good driver. She drives us to the hotel where we are supposed to drop our stuff and go out to dinner. I am not in any position to go out to dinner. She has to order room service like or like pickup from the restaurant in the airport Marriott, which was not the ideal dinner plan for our one night in Kansas City where we <laughs> fell in love. She brings the food back to the hotel room. I am passed out on the bed at 8 o'clock, and I eat a spicy chicken sandwich and a comatose steak in my bedroom, and we don't get marital happy time for our one night in a hotel room away from the two kids. And the Bears lost 41-10, to 10, and they were down 34-0 at halftime. Yeah, but I think drinking yourself into a stupor was in was a way of avo- it was avoidance. It was to like not you you blacked out the memory of sitting in there and watching all of the specific plays that led to this epic beatdown. I did four hours on the game solo today, and we flew out first thing to this morning. And I woke up and I was like, I feel great. And Steph was like, Yeah, you got eleven hours of sleep. <laughs> you you passed out at seven forty five. Uh, so yeah, when I rewatched the game uh, this morning, there were a few details that I needed to reconnect. But the Bears are pathetic. Feel, I mean, they have the worst. It's not defense. about the details. It's about the macro of the organization and how everything is is effed. Dude, if my, you take out the two turnovers, if you take out the two turnovers that they forced off Blaine Gabbert because Mahomes obviously just sat down uh, in the game. In three games so far this year, zero takeaways, one sack, and opponents have converted 27 of 45 third downs. 60% of third downs are being converted. And Fields is 32nd in the league in every passing category that matters. They're the worst offense and the worst defense. They're terrible. I'm going to make a prediction. Okay. I think Caleb Williams is going to stay in school. No. Because he doesn't want to play for the Bears. That's so ridiculous. No, it's not. Because he's in LA and they're going to pay him a ton of money. And you're going to have Drake May next year as your new quarterback. Another North Carolina guy. Just like Mitch. And the head coach. No, let me finish. And the head coach is going to be the dude who worked at PFF. Who's the offensive coordinator in Houston right now who's off to a very good start with Stroud. And that's going to be Danny Parkins, 2024. Selling himself on Drake Maine, a guy that used to work for Pro Football Focus. Let me tell you this right now. Yep. If that comes true, first and pod is canceled. I'll quit. I'm not doing that. Well, we've show. got, I know one person who might be willing to replace you, who would step right in. That's fine. The show can go on without me. 
I won't work with you if that happens. <laughs> I just, it, that, it, beats it, the, that beats the alt that beats right now. That beats status quo. Yeah, but you wouldn't be mocking me for the I told you so of my misery of this. You you at least are wrong with me on on Justin Fields. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm taking a massive L. I mean, listen, I, I don't I don't think that I, I actually think, not that I want to really do too much on this, but like Darnell Wright, who they drafted 10th overall, looks good at right tackle. DJ Moore, we know is good. They're just not doing anything to help him. If they if they hired a new coach who would be offensive minded to go with Caleb Williams with the number one pick plus Carolina's pick, which is looking top five, draft another tackle or draft Marvin Harrison Jr. And you're in the third biggest media market in the country with a global brand. It's actually not a bad position for a rookie to come into. Well, I don't know if you heard, but Fox and NBC are going to chip in that NIL to make sure for USC's first year of the Big Ten that Caleb mm-hmm. Williams is going to be there for that okay, one well, season. Well, it, then doing I mean, Heisman House commercials and okay, trying to win an national I don't want to talk to you anymore. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Uh, How was Vegas? I loved it. Uh, I had a great time. They won oh, the shocking. game. Uh, I would like to use a few minutes here to personally congratulate uh, Josh McDaniels on the single worst in-game coaching decision I have ever seen in my life. I never like to do this, which is start my local radio show with the other team. But I had to say today at at two o'clock, that was the, I'm, I'm still like in a state (laughs) of shock about this. When he did it the first time, I looked at the person next to me and said, Does he think they're down nine and not eight? (laughs) And then he did it again. And somebody very astutely called into our show today and said, if he really was going to, if he was really going to cut it to five, why didn't he just decline the penalty when they made the field goal the first time and keep the extra minute? I mean, it's just in the history of the two point conversion play, we've never seen that done before, Danny. You you have been on this Josh McDaniels thing where it's like he can he's call terrible. He's he, yes, they I were the, I've been telling you he's terrible. Th- th- like no team was was more incompetent with with the lead in, in the NFL last year. I don't yes. think it was bad luck the, the games that they blew in the second half and fourth quarters. Um, wow, I'm still dude. Just he's yeah in a in, in hey the Steelers benefited from that. They did not play a bad game. I think like it was for me, they have such rotten experience going to the Pacific time zone and they hadn't Ben Roethlisberger never beat the Raiders. He was in Oakland. He was 0-4 against them in his career. So I had a really bad feeling about this game. Pickett threw two touchdowns for the first time. He had a passer rating over 100 and TJ Watt looks like he's going to challenge Micah Parsons for the defensive player of the year. I mean, that was the last thing I, w- I wanted to say, like what, what looks unbelievable. Like, it's like when I watch Watt, oh, he's the best defensive player in football. When you watch Parsons, it's like, oh, he's the best defense. You know what I mean? Like they're, it's neck and neck. And I mean, Miles Garrett's awesome. And then PFF both- says if, if Miles Garrett has one tackle in a game, he's actually the best defensive player on yeah, the entire well, planet. Yeah. You don't, you don't like Garrett, but it's pretty good. There's a lot of good ones out there, man. But but Watt is Watt is special. What are what are the odds on that actually right now? What's a good question? By the way, I was around Musburger. I saw Brent Musburger on Sunday at 84 years old, watching NFL games. I was within. I he, I was practically sitting next to him, Danny, at the Circa Resort and Casino. What a five star first rate operation that is. Yeah, it's the best. Were you were you around Musburger when you were out there? No, I didn't see. I didn't, I didn't see know. Him. I didn't know what to do. I wanted to just talk to him about games he called, but then I felt like I was going to be like that old Chris Farley show bit from SNL like thirty years ago. Where I yeah, was do just you like, remember when you did that? That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> just like I think I'm going to leave this old man who was like sweating Lions minus three alone. Not much of a sweat. What ended up being not a sweat at all. But that was uh, that was a really cool. Did you say anything to him? I didn't have the balls. He like made a couple offhanded comments to me and I just, I don't even remember what I said back. I probably made a fool of myself because I was so starstruck. 
He did. He did. He did a weekly on our show for a while uh, a couple years ago. It was awesome. Mike Tyson, uh, Little Wayne, Carrie Underwood saw all three of them at the Raiders Steelers game, and I was most starstruck by Brent Musburger. <laughs> that tells you everything you need to know about me. When you saw Lil Wayne, did you Mention shout out Nick, Nick Wright? No. I, you know, I, I Again, was not in a position to strike up a chat. With, with oh, with, okay. Yeah. I'm surprised. Uh, where do you want to go with the games that we okay. weren't at? So I, I, I grouped a few of them. Uh, I, I, I made two groupings. I, I, I did a grouping of three games. For the big upsets, because this was the first bloodbath week we've had in Survivor. Three big favorites as outright losers. Then I put two games together with, I thought, teams that made statements. Okay. And then the rest. Even So like this might not be in a conventional order for like best game or biggest game. But I did it by, this way. I thought it was the most compelling. So let, let's start with the big upsets. Dallas and Arizona. And my question basically is, what the bleep, Dallas? What the ble- like? I, I was making the case last week that they had to be number one on everyone's power ranking. What I you tell were- you, I said I thought Arizona might beat them, and yet you did. And you said, "What the hell are you doing? You know better. You think Mike McCarthy stinks? Why are you doing this to yourself?" And I was like, oh, they have a higher passing volume than I expected. I got to give the guys some credit. If I if I waited one more week, one more week." I'd be able to gloat and fully enjoy this Mike McCarthy gack job here, but I feel like I completely undercut my credibility with what I said last week. What do you make of this loss, dude? What do you make of it? I think they. I think the Diggs thing affected them. They can say all they want that it didn't. I think when that happens to you during the week, I think that's a. I think that's a gut. I think that's a gut wrenching thing. It's it's a total. It's not even like, hey, that's football. Things happen. It's non-contact. I, I think that it just casts a pall over an entire team. I think it takes a special team and a special coach to get over that. Like, I'm hypercritical of Mike Tomlin, but the thing that he did, one of his best wins, in my opinion, is when they went to when they were in Cincinnati and Shazier <laughs> had that neck injury and they came back and won that game. And he allowed his team to not just feel sorry for itself and feel sorry about a serious injury to a teammate. This is obviously not to that extent, but they had all kinds of positive vibes before that happened. And with one practice play, it all changed. And I just think Arizona, this whole thing about how their coach is an idiot and we saw the cutups and he was not impressive when he talked to the team. But they love the no one, they love the underdog us against the world thing there. It's obvious. They're using that no one likes us. They gave him a Gatorade bath after the game. You've got a quarterback that's super smart that's waited his turn. You do have some skill position players like Hollywood Brown and Moore and Ertz and Connor who are not terrible players. They've been in the NFL and they've been successful before. And the guy's a pretty good defensive coach. He's not great. We saw that in the Super Bowl. But he can make them better than what they were last year. And it's the Cowboys who always have a target on their back. And so I think it was just a perfect storm for them. I got Yeah, I mean, I didn't want to lay the points, but I didn't see it coming. And we had been talking about how Arizona was plucky and was competitive uh, through the first couple of games. So just... It's the meat grinder of the NFL, man. Like the gap between best and worst is not that big. I mean, unless you use Chiefs and Bears as your litmus test. But well, but, the, but here's the problem with that with that point, though, by you. The Cowboys were – you and others were putting the Cowboys in that category with the Chiefs, Eagles, and 49ers. And those teams don't lose a game like this one. I mean, clearly. Yeah, clearly I was wrong. Yeah, the Chiefs lost the game and underperformed against Detroit, who I think is the top 10 team in the NFL. And then and they didn't played, have two of their three best players for that game. Right, exactly. exactly. And still should have won. Um, And played down against Jacksonville. No, you're right. You're right. I crowned Dallas too soon. I am an idiot. I was wrong. 
they're, I still think they're good. I still think they'll be in the playoffs. But that was I, I was floored by that one. I did avoid the next one, though. Uh, Baltimore and Indy in terms of like Survivor and stuff like that because I was scared of Minshew because Minshew is actually good. Like I, I think Gardner Minshew is a top 32 quarterback in the NFL. Like we went over I, the stats. They're impressive. Yeah, they, they, they really are. But he wasn't the reason like they, they, they ran the ball. And my thing for this game, and I'm just curious your thoughts, like, and we were obviously both like in non-normal viewing experiences, but I went back and read about it and watched a decent amount. I watched of the entire game at Circa. I was, I would okay. say of the one o'clock games, this is the one I watched the most of. Okay. Well, so the whole point was that Lamar wasn't going to have to run the ball 14 times. That was their best play in the game. By far. Like Lamar was efficient passing, but it was, it was all like real short, easy stuff. I was just I was surprised that Indy was able to play the brand of football that they wanted to and force Baltimore out of what it spent all offseason trying to be. So Baltimore's first drive was great and then they never they never hit that they never found that again. The scripted plays at the beginning of the game were were super successful. Yep. And they never got back to that and I just thought Indianapolis was the more physical team. And if you're John Harbaugh and it's a home game in the rain and you've been a run first team and a stop the run team since he got there to lose that game when you had to know, given the weather conditions and who their quarterback was, that that was going to be the personality of the game is a reminder to me that the Ravens are just you know they're they're lucky to they'll be lucky to make the playoffs. Obviously, things have gotten easier because of the Burrow injury. <laughs> uh, but like Lamar Jackson in that offense, they're not going to get to this where they were in his MVP season level. They're just not. Um, for what a variety happened to Mark of Andrews being the second best tight end in the NFL? Maybe he's not healthy. He missed the first game. I mean, Flowers. There was a, there was an obvious. Uh, defensive holding call late in the game on Flowers that didn't get flagged and it would have put Tucker in field goal range. But then again, the dude did miss a 61-yarder at the end of regulation. And Gay, that Colts kicker, set a record for the most 50-yard field goals made in one game. But the bigger sto- the, the biggest story by far of this game was Indy just went in there and physically beat them up on both sides of the ball, which should never happen when you're the Ravens. That's who you are. That's who you've always been. And that team had every reason to pack it in in bad weather with their backup quarterback playing. And a team like the Jets or the Bengals should be calling the Colts constantly to get Minshew. I don't get it. Yes. They both should. Yes. I would love, love to see Minshew on the Jets. That would be fun. But that even be- Cincinnati is an insurance policy to Burrow. Somebody that they could actually, instead of playing Jake Browning, you'd have somebody dependable behind him. Yeah, I agree. I I, I agree. It, it's, he's he's good. The guy is the guy is actually good. We do this once a week. I feel like we should only we should try to limit ourselves to doing it once a week. But I'm the guy who makes the Sunday rundown, so it's really like a barometer for me. Jags Texans. More about the Texans win or the Jags loss? It's more about the Jags. And I watched a fair amount. The best thing about being in a sports book at one o'clock it's is so that great. you get everything. And I like Except that. It's 10 o'clock in Vegas. I never took myself off East Coast time. I had a watch. What does that, that mean? Well, so I you, you, had- so you went to you went to bed at like midnight? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, I acted like I was on East Coast time the entire time I was there. Danny, I'm 37 years old, and I was by myself, okay? Um, and it allowed for me to have fulfilling sports-watching experiences while I was there. Uh, the game's more about Jacksonville for this reason. We looked at this game and said, this is the game where Trevor Lawrence reminds people that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, right? There's no excuses. It's not Kansas City where it's a litmus test barometer game. It's not at Indianapolis where they've had trouble over the years. It's like 
It's it's in your home barn against a team that's one of the five worst or supposedly five worst in the NFL. Please cook them. Please dominate them. And their defense wasn't good either, which is a huge story. But look at Lawrence's stat line, man. He got thoroughly outplayed by a guy making his third start. All right. So I'm going to come back to Lawrence. Let me make, because that's the conventional wisdom. That I, I think people would be surprised that there's even an argument that it's more about the Texans than the Jaguars. But dude, CJ Stroud has over 900 passing yards in three games. Will Anderson is third in the NFL at pass rush win rate. What if they're right? What if they're right? What if they did that, got the best quarterback in the class, and in one draft, got the best player at the two positions that are most impactful for winning? Like, we have to at least be open to the possibility. These guys are drafted in the top five. We have to be open to the possibility that these guys are great. We have right second and third overall. It, I mean, that would be a pretty big story, no doubt. I mean, I, I thought that Stroud's numbers in the first two games were largely stat padding variety. Sure, but, it, was, it was in a blowout prevent defense. I understand, but dude, but dude. He, he, he looked the part. He looked very, very put together and poised in this game. He was not not that it's an intimidating pace, place to play at all or anything, but. He looked like he was a veteran quarterback who knew exactly. And he got help and you get a kickoff return for a touchdown. I understand. Tank Dell had a broken play touchdown. I mean, some things happen. That's how you get a big upset like this. You got to hit on two or three of those types of plays to win a game. But I'd be lying to you if I didn't walk away from that game feeling very good about Stroud and what his potential is as a quarterback. We have to – I just – we like to be early on things. We pride ourselves on paying attention to all of the teams, not just the ones that are going to be discussed on the, on you know the national shows. Like we have to at least be open to the possibility that the Texans got this right. As for Trevor Lawrence, I don't know if you like the like the EPA stats, the expected points added. Sure, I think yeah, I think I think they're pretty good. I think they're pretty good metrics for for teams, individuals, all that stuff. You want the full list? of quarterbacks worse than Trevor Lawrence through three games, expected points added? Zach Wilson. Yep. Justin Fields. Yep. And then pull a name out of a hat. I don't think it's Pickett anymore, but it could be. Pickett, Tannehill, Bryce Young, and Joe Burrow, but that's from before tonight's game. So that obviously will change. Dude. That is horrible. That I mean, that with is... all the weapons that they have there, and you know, I think what's going to happen is I think Doug Peterson is going to quietly take the play calling away from Zach Taylor's brother, and he gave it to him. I think with the understanding of like this will help the guy get a head coaching job, but you can't be thinking about it that way right now. I mean that that. That, that, to me, has to be down the list of priorities in the grand scheme of things. They need something to get that guy who looked at, at the end of last year, those two playoff games, like he was destined for greatness. They've got to do something to make him more comfortable because their offensive line isn't great. But there isn't. that's not an excuse for them to look this bad through three games offensively. No, and just to be clear, I think Trevor Lawrence will be fine, but he's been awful. Through three weeks. All right. We probably need to pick up the pace a little bit or we're going to go 90 minutes. Uh, Miami and Denver, I'm shocked, is this far down. Your rundown. We had a team score 70 points, bro. Okay. I only grouped – I only put it this far down because of the three huge upsets. And I think that, like, the wins and losses should still be the basis of what the biggest stories are of the week. And those were three huge upsets. But, yeah, man, scoring 70 in the NFL – deserves to probably be the biggest story of the week for an individual performance. And I 
don't think an argument can be made through three weeks that anyone other than Tua should be MVP favorite, which he is. Tyree Kill should be offensive player of the year favorite, which he is. And that Josh McDaniel, or that Mike McDaniel should be coach of the year favorite, which he is. Like, they are the story of the NFL through three weeks. They Mc might D not be the best team. Josh McDaniels would have kicked field goals on all those drives, and they would have beaten them. Yes, yes, Mike McDaniel, who the Bears didn't even see goals. as being worthy of interviewing yeah. when they hired Matt Eberflus. Um, that, so they did this without Waddle, too, which makes it even more impressive that he, that guy didn't play one of the 10 or 15 best receivers in the entire NFL. You, you just laid out a point for Houston by saying we have to allow for the pos possibility of, and then went on to make your point. I think we have to allow for the possibility that Sean Payton is an Urban Meyer situation in Denver. I know that Meyer going college to the NFL is totally different. And Payton has won a Super Bowl and was largely successful in New Orleans. But I can't, I can't think of many times other than when we've had horrible coaching situations like like Pate, uh, like Meyer, where a team is clearly quitting on its, I guess I should say coach. And it, they quit in that game. They laid down. To give up that many rushing yards and 700 yards of total offense? You said the, the, the margin of the NFL is razor thin between the best team and the worst team. Yeah, this is a big 12 score. This is uh, a it's a it's a Big Twelve team against like Immaculate Word or something. It's or Abilene Christian, not another Big Twelve team. Right. Maybe like Kansas when they were winning one game a year, but like this should never ever ever happen. And when it happens, the organization that loses by fifty needs to look itself in the mirror. The guy set a horrible tone for the season with the comments he made about the team he inherited. And and I and I said to you, I thought that that was him being completely honest and brutally honest, and setting and setting everybody up for the for the possibility that they were going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year. And so he could say, "Blame the guy that was here before me, not me." Well, so we're going to get to it obviously more in the Thursday look ahead pod, but it was just like a, it was like a sneaky big part of my show today. Have you seen the look-ahead line for Denver-Chicago? It's three and a half. Correct. Denver. In Chicago. Yeah. That's a low point for the Bears. An underdog at home to a team that lost by half a century. <laughs> by a 50-burger. <laughs> that is an 0-3 team. An 0-3 team that just gave up a 70-piece is a three-and-a-half-point favorite in your building. That is... Yeah. And then I thought Peyton, after the game of the press conference, looked like a total tool. Yeah, yeah, he did. That was... He, he's he's grasping. He's grasping. But Miami's incredible, man. Um, all right, I want to ask you this one. Buffalo curb-stomped Washington. Last week, you were, like, basically saying that one team in the NFL could win a Super Bowl. Are you willing to group Buffalo into the teams who possibly could win a Super Bowl? No. Oh, my God. I'm not. That is so ridiculous. <laughs> it's not, dude. You're pulling you're, – this is your – this is what's going to happen. You're going to come on the podcast after the Miami game and say, I did it again. A really good team beat a bad team by a, by a, a lopsided margin, and you bought into it heavily. No, they first of all, I like Washington, so I don't think Washington's a really bad team. They had a really bad game, but I could obviously turn the ball over a million times, and they actually drove the ball a number of times and turned it over in the red zone. Like Sam Howell was very reckless. It, it, it was it, Josh Allen asked in a lot of ways, as a matter of fact. Okay, but so, so 30, 37 3 and 38 10 the last two weeks, yes, against commanders and raiders, but it does, but does nothing for you that this team can be electric offensively and be a contender once again in the AFC. There's nothing for they it. They can beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Okay. You disagree, clearly. I mean, yeah. I framed the question to try to checkmate you, and you just – you won't go down. So, Buffalo-Miami, you you think Miami crushes them? 
I don't think they crush them, but I'll say this. If the Bills just win the game, they don't even have to blow them out. If the Bills win the game, I'm going to be willing to come on a future podcast and say I was wrong about them. Okay. All right. But that needs what to happen. They, what if they lose by three, 37-34? Just more Bills in big spots and big games. Can't okay. get it done. Got it. Uh, Jets and, Jets and uh, Patriots. Uh, more Zach Wilson uh, incompetence. Although I will say Randall Cobb should have caught that Hail Mary. And if he does, it's a totally different. Did you see that play? Yeah, I you did. were uh, you were beer bonging at the time, dude. So you missed yeah. it live. I, I I played a lot of catch up yeah. during these Monday night games for some of these games that I didn't watch. There was a TV at the tailgate, but it, it was yeah. I, I've been playing catch up, but yeah, I did Bill Belichick it. isn't making jokes about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift if Randall Cobb's able to hold on to that ball at the end of the game. Um, I heard something on the on the. Kirk Cousins thing to the Jets that I find very interesting from someone I trust. They think that Cousins would uh, invoke his no trade clause and and would not go to New York here if the if the Viking season goes off the rails because he's Rolling so great. he's so good with the with the business side of sports that. Going there, learning a new system midstream in New York, the possibility of putting up down numbers, he thinks would actually financially hurt him in the long run more than if he just, say he rides it out in Minnesota, they go like 7-10, and but he throws 33 or 34 touchdown passes again. He knows he'll get paid big by somebody this offseason and thinks that going to the Jets would actually do more damage to him looking for a contract this offseason. I mean, that makes a lot a, of sense to me. Yeah, he's a legend at the bank. I, I I would like to think that he would want a chance to win, but Jets might not be that too if he doesn't think he would be good there. Like you know what I mean? Like I, I wonder how much of it would be purely financially motivated, or if it would be I also don't think I would be good there for A, B, or C reason, and it would hurt me financially. But that's a it's a very interesting. I mean, I haven't I, I feel like that's died down a lot since yeah. week since since week one. The Jets have been steadfast I don't know how you can do it though like I don't think you have to trade for Kirk Cousins a super expensive quarterback who you well, we can't brought up Minshew that's what I'm saying like there there's there are guys who are worse than Kirk Cousins cheaper than Kirk Cousins and at least give you a fighting chance to get the ball to Garrett Wilson eight times a game and maybe score 23 points you know like I who's another one that would be a good idea like I mean, we've talked about Tannehill. Um, I know, but Jacoby Brissett? I would not mind that one. I don't. You know I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind that at all. I thought he was good in Cleveland last year, and I was never a Jacoby Brissett guy. But the times I saw him in Cleveland last year, I thought he was actually pretty good. Yeah, me too. I mean, obviously Dalton was just an upgrade over Bryce in the in the short term. We'll get to that game in a second. But you know, like there are Zach Wilson is not the thirty fifth best quarterback in the world. So th- there's there's there are definitely backups that would be a significant upgrade for a team that's really trying to win uh, right now. All right, you mentioned him a little bit uh, on the Viking side of this Chargers Vikings. Do you feel like the Chargers saved their season? No, I don't. You know why? Because it was way more about the Vikings losing the game and all of their gaffes, all their red zone blunders and mishaps. You had two things happen in this game that were classic chargers. Number one, Mike Williams done for the year. Yep. Tears his ACL. So you lose him. Everything about the chargers this year that was said in the preseason was with the caveat If they stay healthy, we know they always get hurt, but you can't predict injuries. Well, Mike Williams seems to unfortunately get hurt all the time and usually in a quite serious manner. So that's a huge bummer. Quentin Johnson, who I thought was going to be a big lift for them, can't even get on the field. Their number one pick wide receiver from TCU, who I thought was just going to be, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, but I saw kind of like poor man Randy Moss qualities in him just very tall guy who runs really fast and is a deep threat 
downfield, not like 50-50 ball, but just go get it, catch and run. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, he, he, had, he had three targets, two catches, 10 yards. It, it's, it is within the realm of possibility that he st- that he his role in the offense uh, increases. But yeah, right now they're probably going to go bigger sets, multiple tight ends. But, Palmer Palmer will get more targets. But I mean, at least the guy who got hurt, the guy they drafted in the first round, plays his exact position. So there's at least a possibility. But that I they think, can salvage it. But I think the even bigger thing is Staley went for it on fourth and one inside his own 30 and didn't get it. And the numbers back him up going for it. It was him going back in time to his rookie year as a head coach when he would do that routinely. But the fact that he did it and it backfired, I just think that that's going to have long-term ramifications on his decision-making in future games. And I think he's going to cower again and go right back to his conservative ways of last year because of that. Because of all the heat he got for it. Oh, like they won in spite of you. The Chargers should have lost. Thank God the Vikings, Viking, that kind of thing. Uh, I think the guy's going to go right back into his shell because of that. And I think that that's going to hurt. The Chargers need a legitimate head coach so bad. But... I don't think that their ownership group wants to pay the big money for an established coach. They're going to have to go the young route. They're just going to have to hire one of these geek guys. Maybe they'll hire the PFF guy and you'll lose out on him and maybe hire somebody else's defensive assistant, Danny. That's not funny. Maybe you can get Bill Cower out of retirement. Promote Kellen Moore. We got to go faster. Promote Luke Getze. Dude, like once a... Once an hour, I get a tweet. Remember when you wanted to fire Matt Eberflus to promote Luke Getze? <laughs> okay, they're both, explain. They're both terrible, and I stand by believing in the offensive guy more than the defensive guy. Ex- explain what you wrote to me on uh, the Green Bay New Orleans game. Green okay. Bay coming back from down seventeen. To okay, beat the Saints without Derek Carr. Okay. So what I wrote is. I'm terrified that a pony Kenny Pickett take might actually be true about Jordan Love. And you've had so many Kenny Pickett takes that that doesn't narrow it down for you. And I just want, for the record, like I don't want this clip to be one that gets clipped and goes viral because this will hurt my credibility with the local audience. All the more reason to play it. Do you remember when you said that Kenny Pickett had some Joe Burrow vibes? Yes. I'm at least a little worried that Jordan Love might have some of that. Dude, he doesn't have his best players. He's playing a top 10 defense. He's down 17 points in the fourth quarter, and he wins. I know the Saints miss a field goal that would have ended up winning the game. He made big throw. After big throw, some of them were caught. Some of them drew pass interference. He's throwing to Romeo Dobbs and Jaden Reed, whatever the hell that guy's name is, without without his without Aaron Jones, without Bakhtiari, without Watson. The only word I can describe it is is poise, because he did not look great early in the game. But like, n- there is no rattle to this dude. There's no rattle to him. So obviously Joe Burrow's the number one pick in the draft. I, I don't, he's not, I'm not saying he's going to be that, but like if you are a 10 out of 10 between the ears at quarterback in the NFL, you have an incredibly high floor. And through it's been four starts, three this year, and I haven't seen that dude. He lost to Atlanta, but he completed 66% of his passes, had three touchdowns, no picks. He curb stomped the Bears, and he had a fourth-quarter comeback against the top-10 defense, two of those three games without his three or four best players on offense. I'm very impressed, and I I hate that I am as impressed as I am. I hate it. So, do you rem- do you do you know the uh, do you know the pitcher Charlie Morton in the major yeah. leagues? He's been around for a while. He's yeah. had a really good, solid career. 
So he was with the Pirates. I'm going to make this analogy quick because this is a football podcast, but just hear me out for a second. When I first got to Pittsburgh, he was terrible, and he was one of their worst pitchers. And he and the pitching coach just decided mechanically, let's just copy Roy Halladay. Let's just watch him, and let's duplicate his delivery. Like, everything. Wind up where, like, arm angle, slot, everything, and try to use his exact sequencing of pitches and just see where it gets you. And it completely changed the guy's career around. Now, he he's ended up adapting and evolving. He's had several incarnations since then. But that's what originally got him on track. He just decided to try to be someone who was already really, really good and the best at what that person did. I think I think Jordan Love is doing that with Aaron Rodgers. His body language on the field, his his motions, his throwing style, like even when he hands the ball off or does a play action fake, he looks exactly like the guy. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's trying to do an Aaron Rodgers impression and it's working. And I don't know how long that's going to last if he can just be a facsimile of Aaron Rodgers his entire career. But I am just so struck by that. Like, it looks like he is just trying to copy exactly what Aaron Rodgers, not just his game planning and prep during the weekend stuff. Like, he's trying to look like him on the field, Danny, when he plays. I notice it on the play action fakes, for sure. Uh, he clearly studied Rodgers. Rodgers is one of the best, if not the best ever at, at that. So, yeah, he it the whole thing is grotesque. I, I I really truly hate it. Uh, Seattle, Carolina. Okay, you want to brag about how you like the Seahawks again? Is what? Yes, the I do. Question. Uh, well, and I'm thrilled that the Panthers continuing to lose to help Marvin Harrison Jr. become a bear with the top five pick. But I love Seattle so coming that Drake in. Drake May can throw him the ball next year. Shut up. <laughs> I I I, lo- I I loved Seattle's offense coming into the year. They score 37 in a game where they had to kick five field goals. They're moving the ball the entire game. So my question to you is, Miami's going to be the best offense in the NFL, at least through three weeks. It'd be crazy to say anyone other than them. Obviously, things can get hurt, long time left, all those caveats, whatever. Are you willing to say right here, right now, that there is at least a chance that Seattle has the best offense in the NFC at the end of the year? No. No, because I don't. I don't think Geno Smith is going to be able to do that. Um, Kenneth Walker has picked up where he left off at the end of last year, and uh, Metcalf and Lockett look awesome. And I was just going to say Smith and Jigba hasn't even really gotten involved in their offense whatsoever. And I would think that's at some point Charbonneau, the other kid who they drafted in the second round, will at least have some kind of one-two punch setup, but. I think the offensive coordinator is great. He'll be a head coach. I would try to find a way to keep him there with Pete Carroll. I don't think it'll happen. I think he'll get another job this offseason and be someone. Maybe it'll be where you are. Maybe you'll have Shane Waldron next year. Um, I, I think that he is, for me, he's the Seattle version of what Brian Dable was to Josh Allen in Buffalo. And I think that that guy right now might be the best assistant coach in the entire league and good on Pete Carroll or whoever made that decision in Seattle to do that because Pete Carroll defensive coach and they had gone through like the retread offensive coordinators your Brian Schottenheimer's guys like that and in his 70s he pivoted to one of these guys that came from I think the Rams coaching tree and I don't think Geno Smith puts up these numbers without him Okay, but so then explain why the Seahawks can't be the best offense in the NFC. Because I think their quarterback has a ceiling. Okay, but then who is going to be the best offense? Because San Francisco who scored 30 points in all three games. Okay, but their quarterback is Brock Purdy. Yeah, guess what, Danny? This is going to surprise you. I'm starting to do a little bit of uh, 180 on the Brock star. I'm starting to walk he, back. He had three Three passes that were interceptable in that game. I know, Danny. I said that on the Thursday podcast, but I'm starting to allow for the possibility, as you like to say, that the guy is actually 
I think Orlovsky called him a top Thursday five. Thursday and Monday? Today. He hasn't played. True. That's a very good point. <laughs> I'm sleep deprived right now. Cut me some slack here. 57 minutes into this podcast. Geno Smith can't lead the best offense in the NFC, but Brock Purdy can. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Detroit, Atlanta. A workmanlike 20 to 6 win where some things went wrong, but they didn't lions all over themselves. I'm curious what Detroit winning that style of game tells you about this version of the Lions, if anything. Okay, so Arizona upset Dallas and a team scored 70 points and won by 50. But I think this was my I think this was my favorite win of the week for a team. Because Detroit beat the Chiefs in part because of what the Chiefs offense didn't do in that game. But I kind of felt it was more self-inflicted wounds by the Chiefs than it was great defense. Tony gift wrapped the pick six. You know, the wide receiver. Yeah. Desmond Ritter is terrible. Is not very good. Yeah. Great okay. News. Yeah, huge news there. Uh but they held Bijan Robinson, I think, to under I might have been three point four yards per carry or something like that. And I just thought that Atlanta was gonna go up there and run all over Detroit. I thought they were just gonna as long as the game score didn't get to a point where, you know, Detroit had scored thirty something points and it needed to be a shootout. I just thought Atlanta was gonna have their way on the ground against the Lions. So for Detroit to to know what was coming and shut it down the way that they did, whether it was schematics or I, I wasn't I wasn't watching that game intensely, but I I think that that showed that there's another dimension to this team. They needed to improve their defense big time from last year. And I would say three games in, they've got to feel much better about Yeah, I would need an explanation if I was doing radio in Atlanta as to how you could have Desmond Ritter throw 38 passes and have Bijan Robinson get 10 rushing attempts. Yeah, great point. Really like, good point. You know what I mean? Like it, it made it, and it wasn't like Algier had a great game because he's pretty talented. Like he had seven carries for 12 yards. How many how many touches did did Robinson get in the pass game? Four catches on six targets. So, so he touched the ball. So he touched the ball fourteen times. Yeah, just low scoring game. But I, I'm with you, man. Like I, I think the Lions. I mean, obviously, again, this is somewhat confirmation bias for me. But winning in different ways, biding your time, like David Montgomery out in that game. Don't have Jameson Williams. I still think Jameer Gibbs is going to be an absolute stud. Stud. Mm. But they got to get him the ball more in the passing game. I like Laporta. I think that tight end's got a bright future for them. That was a really good pick. He's Iowa been, kid. I think he's been like the the number one fantasy tight end. All right, number two. He's been he's been absolutely ridiculous. Um, and yeah, eleven targets in the game. Uh, all right, last game. Last but not least. Your Browns against our Titans. How far can Cleveland's defense carry them this year? What can they do? Like, what's their ceiling with the, with a great defense like that? I think it's I think it's probably nine wins, and hope that Joe Burrow's cap isn't right. Win the head to head matchups against Baltimore, and try to get in to the playoffs as the second place team in the AFC North. Uh, I'm still not buying Watson whatsoever. I still think that the Chubb injury is going to be one that bites them, even though running back injuries should not be season enders. I don't like the coach. Garrett had three and a half sacks, so he did much better than he did the previous Monday against the Steelers. Schwartz is, uh, I'm stunned that he wasn't a defensive coordinator somewhere else, that he was available because he's a huge upgrade for them. He's got guys in the right places where they need to be now. because they had players on defense last year. They just couldn't figure out a way to use them properly. So this to me was more, 
I like the Browns laying three and a half. Because uh, I just didn't think the Titans were going to be able to follow up what they did in overtime against the Chargers and do it in back-to-back weeks. And I thought it was kind of a get-right game for Cleveland after blowing it against the Steelers the week before. But, uh, yeah, I, it's it's not enough for me yet, Danny, to think that like Watson is cured of some of the things that we bitched about with him. Yeah, I mean, he had that one absolutely ridiculous play where he threw it backwards when he was getting a sack and it turned into yep. a fumble. You know what I mean? Like that, that was like a comedic play. Uh, but by far his best game of the year, probably his best game uh, as a Brown. It is. And and doing it when you have that much of a coaching disadvantage with Stefanski against Vrabel, I got to be honest, I was pretty damn shocked at this. I mean, that was as thorough of a defensive ass kicking. I mean, dude, Tennessee had 94 total yards. They had the ball for 21 minutes. They had 26 rushing yards. They had six first downs. There were no turnovers in the game. Well, the bottom line with what you just said then is, and we'll talk about this on Thursday, but just quickly, they should beat the Ravens at home next week. If their defense is as advertised, you're saying how far can it carry them? You've got a home game against a division rival whose offense really has not clicked yet. They don't know what they want to be. They, they reverted back to... Lamar Jackson being a runner the last two weeks to try to win games. If your defense is as advertised, win that game at home on Sunday. I I, I agree. And we'll talk about it more on Thursday. And listen, I'm not, you know, I don't think Tennessee is very good, but and Tannehill has been one of the worst players in the league this year. But they have, they have DeAndre Hopkins. They have Burks. They have Derrick Henry. They find a way to stay in games and be competitive. And they weren't in this game is what you're saying. They were they they looked like they had never played football, like they, they were they were completely. Uh, it's it is difficult to have a hundred yards of offense as a team. I mean, the Bears are pathetic, and they had ninety nine yards passing against the Chiefs. Yeah, some of it was in garbage time, but garbage time yards. You know what I mean? Like six first downs in an NFL game. That's hard to do when Derrick Henry's on your team. So I was I was I thought that was a statement by the Browns defense. Look at us. Sleep deprived, Vegas, Kansas City, hangovers, other than I think I think the moral of the story here is that you got after it much harder than I did in Kansas City. And I think I took off as a heavy favorite being in Vegas to drink the most and party the hardest. And the fact that you had your wife drive you to the hotel, I think, is my favorite comment that's gotten made maybe on this podcast ever by you that it was that bad so it was embarrassing it was not good all right dude we'll talk again back on our normal schedule thursdays and sundays yep thanks to spencer ray our producer please tell a friend about this podcast make it worth our while first and pod peace